Broadcasting live from the Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Talk Tales with Chris Phillips. Joining us on today's show, entertainer and talk show host, Dennis Bono. And now, I can name that host in three, wait, wait, five syllables, Mr. Chris Phillips. You know, I like when our audiences uh, had more to drink than me. That's, that always disturbs me right off the bat. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Vegas Video Network, and more specifically to our brand new show on the network we like to call Talk Tales, everybody. My name is Chris Phillips, and uh, if you have joined us before on Monday afternoons, you know that this is the one time a week in which I have an excuse to uh, have a couple cocktails and do probably what is my favorite thing to do in the world, and that is to talk about Las Vegas, the greatest city in the world. And uh, today is such an exciting day. We have uh, a guest that, to me, epitomizes what Las Vegas is all about. But before we get to that, I'd like to remind you that if you ever have any comments for us or questions, please contact us by going to our email, simply at talktales at vegasvideonetwork.com. We are also uh, big time now and have a toll-free number. That's pretty exciting. Uh, and something they used to call a telephone. I don't know if everybody calls or anybody anymore. It's all about texting. Uh, but you can call us at 866-966-4599. And uh, hopefully you're watching us live because we'd love to have you join us in what we call our chat room. And you can answer any questions live on the air. But uh, I have to apologize to you right off the bat for not being here last Monday. We do this, as you know, as a weekly show, but last week we were interrupted a tad because I was in Scottsdale. Scott? Yeah. Uh, How'd that go? It was going great. We did uh, once in a while on holidays. It was, uh, as you know, Labor Day weekend. And we were uh, in Scottsdale at a place called the Fairmont Princess Resort, where on occasion we get to go back to our hometown and play these all-ages concerts that are they're so amazing, Scott, because it's the only chance we really get to... Uh, play to, to kids and to this all-American audience, because as you know, we, we typically play to a bunch of uh, gamblers, drunks, and hookers. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're right where I feel at home. But to have kids on stage with us is so, it's, 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 it's really amazing. And you know, I, I don't think there's anything that says uh, an all-American, all-ages show like a uh, intoxicated middle-aged white guy trying to be a rapper. That just, <laughs> that's, that's right. Just, that's so nice on Labor Day afternoon. but So we want to thank everybody at the Princess Resort for letting us come out there. We have such a great time. But I'll tell you, I couldn't wait to get back to Las Vegas as I always do because this is uh, truly the city in which I think encompasses a kind of energy you can't find anywhere else in the world. And particularly speaking, uh, today uh, I think this may be possibly out of the 17 episodes that we've now done, what could be my favorite show ever because of our first guest. Uh, this is a gentleman who, as I point out, truly, I think, uh, has not only inspired me and so many others uh, to want to come here and keep the maverick spirit of what this great city is about, but he, I, I'll go so far as to say this, he, he doesn't only just possess the swagger of Las Vegas, I think this uh, gentleman is the swagger of Las Vegas. Uh, he's been around for several decades, 
He has his own uh, syndicated variety show. Uh, and there's not a lot of individuals who can say that they are uh, someone who was one of the favorite singers of Mr. Frank Sinatra himself. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, I'm talking about an icon, a legend here in Las Vegas. His name is Dennis Bono, and we have him with us today on Cocktails. We could not be more happy to have you here, sir. Thank you, Chris. Thank so, you, Josh. Uh, what an introduction. You sure you're not going to bring out my third grade teacher? This is, a, this is your <laughs> this life. This is your life. I think, yeah. Yes. Wow, well, what an intro. Well, let me tell you, I, I think that uh, one of the reasons I'm so happy to have you on as one of my guests today is because, as a lot of people know, I hate drinking alone. And thank God you're wanting to have a drink with me during the afternoon. I, I you were a man after my own heart. You betcha. Uh, and, and before we get started, I want to mention, um, speaking of um, somebody who is appealing to not only my heart but my liver, <laughs> Is a friend of yours, Mike Severino, Mike Severino from right. uh, Southern Wine and Spirits. Southern Nevada Wine and Spirits. Yeah. He sent over a little gift for us. Not jo not only is this uh, uh, Crown Royal, this is Crown Royal Black. And so I think that we're going to reach a whole nother level of intoxication. A whole level of entertainment. Yes, sir. That's right. So we want to thank my friend Mike. I, I think he's uh, well. Larry Rubo, who owns Southern Nevada Wine and Spirits, as you know, is my my wife's cousin. So absolutely, they, they are Las Vegas uh, real you know real legends here. Well, I think they supply the fuel that uh, makes this, in fact, That's the entertainment capital of the world. Well, you do a remarkable job to keep, <laughs> to keep that, no, no, but to keep that vintage Vegas spirit alive. And I must commend you. I, well, I, thank you. You know, you're one of my favorite guests when you come on my show, and uh, you, you just bring a, a level of excitement that uh, keeps that spirit that we've all grown to love. And I, I, as I said earlier, I really think a lot of people still come to Vegas to try to recapture the glory, golden days, so to speak. So. Well, that's why I'm so excited to have you with me Thank today, you. because Pleasure. as you know, I'm a uh, purist at heart when it comes to keeping that golden era alive. And there is nobody who I think I could speak to in this town that knows more about that and what that means than, than you, uh, Dennison. So, uh, Flattered. Thank you. So to have you on here is, is truly a treat for me. And I'd like to go back first, because I'd like to have those of you who aren't real familiar possibly with Dennis, uh, I'd like to kind of go back and, and ask, you know, I don't even know where you're from, as a matter of fact. You I, know, it, it, and it, how this all got started for you. That's, now, that's an interesting question. I'll try to do this. Because I know you did club work on the East Coast yeah, it, and the Playboy it, it, Club and all that. How this going all back even before that. How this all started. It's ironic that you asked me that question because not many people really know the story. Uh, I grew up in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. When I was five years old, I went to kindergarten, and they had, you know, I grew up in a family that music was in our household constantly. You know, there was, whether it's records or the radio in the car, and mom and dad always sang along, and, and yep. just music. And I've always believed that music is a very healthy thing to have in a household. I think it keeps it vibrant and energetic, and it brings families closer together. Anyway, that's the way I grew up. When, my, when I went to kindergarten, you know, they had show and tell. And uh, most kids got up and show and tell and did you know, I'm a little teapot, sure. you know, little, little children's songs. And uh, I got up and did an imitation of, at that time, the legendary Johnny Ray. And Johnny <laughs> Ray used to get on his hands and knees and rip open his shirt yeah. and sing this song, Cry. And that's what I did during show and tell. And Not your they, typical they kindergarten sent me home from school yeah, and said there's definitely something wrong with this child, you know. And uh, so that was my start in showbiz. My mother and father, of course, came to my defense and said, you know, uh, 
it was my creative juices, and I thought it was being. Anyway, I think that's where it got it. It started, and then I, you know, in school, of course, did all the. I was the ham in school, and the the. Uh, Were the you class. in choir and did the talent show? Oh, I used to get thrown out of the choir at least once a month, because <laughs> not because I couldn't sing, but because I just thought it was an extracurricular activity to have fun. And so I was constantly aggravating all of the professors or teachers that were trying to teach us something. And I just thought it was an opportunity for me to showcase whatever comedic talent I had. So I would constantly get thrown out, but then they would bring me back in because I could sing. So uh, between <laughs> school and, uh, and then I, you know, I went to college to become an English teacher. And, you oh, know, you did. I did. Yeah, I that's, that. uh, that's interesting. That, that, I'm glad that didn't work out. Oh, good. Um, yes. and, and <laughs> we what, are too. Yeah, and what <laughs> happened is, I, I would sing to on weekends, you know, just to kind of supplement my income while I was going to school. And to make a long story short, I, I had an agent who said, gee, you want to go on the road? And so I went out on the road and really just learned my craft. Fine-tuned your craft. And yeah, uh, and which is, you know, it's sad today because there aren't the venues to go out and learn your craft as there, there were when I first got no, started. No, and I'd mentioned, uh, so you performed in the Playboy Club? I did the so Playboy Clubs. So cool. I did, I did... You know, Vinny's Knuckle Room in sure, Buffalo. Sure. I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you know you're you working a tough club when the hat check girl's name is Vito. You know, <laughs> I did. I did those. I did every kind of club and hotels and and but it, it was a place to really learn uh, my my art form. Well, speaking of your art form, I think anybody who's ever had the pleasure of hearing you sing before knows that you're not just a singer but you're an interpreter of the great American songbook. You're a, 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 you're a stylist in how you interpret a song. You did you make a lot it your of own. research. You're really pushing all the right buttons. No, but it's true. You, you how many of those did you have before I came out here? You know, the, the, Keep it going. I was going to say know. that Actually, having this on your rice checks is pushing <laughs> it. But I, I must tell you, uh, it, that's a, 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 wonderful, a wonderful explanation. No, but it is. So who influenced you? Well, I, I'm guessing uh, jazz musicians as much as singers. To I listened to, a, you know, uh, my grandfather used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. That means you should listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> and so I, I used that same premise to listen to singers. And I would try to absorb the kinds of things that I thought, you know, were, that, that stood out with me. And so I, I listen, and I grew up with rock and roll and sure, the Beach Boys sure, of and the Four Seasons and the Beatles, and but I was like a closet standard guy. You know what I mean? It was I didn't sing that kind of song in front of my friends. Sure, we were in a convertible sure. on a Friday night. No, no. You know, we were all singing the high notes in, for the Four Seasons. You know, <laughs> uh, which you know I'm surprised that I got drafted into the army in spite of that. You know, I figure <laughs> you hit those notes, they they'll let this kid out. You know, wow. uh, but anyway, bottom line is that um, I, I really was influenced by the Great American Songbook. We didn't even call it that. We called it the standards. Sure. I listened to Sinatra. It was pop music at the time. Jack. Yeah, it really was. And, and so uh, that was what I truly enjoyed the most. And, and it's interesting you bring it up because I, I've said so many times, you, you, you know, when you're first singing in this business, you, you try to sing, you try to use your instrument, you know, try to sing well, make it sound good. And then as you get older, and I listen, I, when I got the opportunity to listen to Sinatra, Mr. Sinatra talk about this with me, he said, you know, don't ever sing anything you don't believe in. Because mm. when we're young, we sing melodic things that, sure, are, sure. that haunt us melodically. But as we get older, we become more of an actor. 
we start paying attention to what we're singing as opposed to how we're singing. And that's singing. when the lyrical content comes into play that, as well. That's obviously. when you become the actor. Now you become the interpreter. Mm -hmm. And uh, it takes a while. I think uh, you, you only become, you come to that point at a certain age because you have lived some of those, those lyrics that you're singing. It's tough to sing about a broken heart when you're 16 years old. You know, I mean, it's tough to to sing a saloon song when you're not old enough to drink. No, of course You know, so... Uh, you gotta have a few bumps along the road to, to, to really convey the message properly, I'm guessing. To live some sure. life sure. in order to understand what it is you're singing. So I guess at this stage of my life, I've evolved into the interpretive style. Uh, I still love great melody, great arrangements, but now whenever I approach a song, I just take it as a piece of piece of work, an art form like a, like a, a script, sure, right, right. like a script. And, and what I truly believe about the Great American Songbook, it's, it's like, you know, uh, it, it's like Shakespeare. Long after you and I are gone, somebody will still be doing Hamlet That's because right. somebody will bring a new interpretation Correct. to the role. The words are still the same, but the actor will bring something different and keep it fresh, which is why so many hundreds of years later, they're still doing these, these great pieces. Of well, work. I, I have to say, I absolutely love uh, the way you not only interpret a song, but I love the quality of your voice. Thank and you. I will Very publicly nice. say, you are my favorite singer in Las Vegas. And it's a true story. Thank you. Uh, speaking of singers, though, obviously you were influenced by singers who sang these type of standards that you speak of. Is there, aside from Frank Sinatra, which I think is pretty much a, a given, mm. Who are some of your favorite uh, singers, maybe through that era that you were inspired by, in terms of maybe the way they sounded, or their style, or their attitude, that all kind of came into play with? It's interesting, with them, you know, being influenced I, by somebody. When I was a kid, I used to actually <clears throat> have dreams where I would picture myself someday sitting having a drink with Frank Sinatra. As a kid, you know, little did I know this <laughs> would come to fruition, you know, because my father used to say, "You become what you think about all day long. If you think about something, your life will take you there." But I was influenced. It's amazing. Yes, I, I was influenced by Frank Sinatra, uh, uh, whether it be Tony Bennett, uh, Mel Torme, uh, um, Jack Jones. There are you so have a many. Jack Jones quality to your voice, actually. A lot. You know, Jack and I are friends, and and uh, it's when I hear him sing, there's a lot of wonderful things that I admire about him, and and sometimes you have to be careful when you really admire somebody not to listen to them too much because you don't want to. You don't want to st start picking up right. some of the things that are identifiable with them. You want to make sure they don't lose anything and you take away anything. And then other people will think, gee, you're trying to sound like, so you, you don't do that. But what's good about the Great American Songbook is you can arrange it to interpret it uh, based upon your own um, approach. You know? Well, you, you mentioned Frank Sinatra, of course. We're going to take a short little sure. break. When we come back, I want to talk about how uh, it came to pass that you were to meet Frank Sinatra as a result of a now a mutual friend right. who uh, I believe saw you some years ago. And so if you don't mind holding on for one second, sure. once again, everybody, you're watching Talk Tales. I'm Chris Phillips. We'll be right back. I'm sitting here with my very dear friend, Dennis Bono, everybody. Hi, this is Scott Pritchard from Let's Bet. You're watching the Vegas Video Network. It's VegasVideoNetwork.com. You're not using this one, right? <laughs> Don't you dare use this one. <laughs> well, 
Well, howdy, folks. Welcome back to the Vegas Video Network. My name is Chris Phillips, and you are watching Talk Tales, which we come to you live from Las Vegas every Monday afternoon. And today we are sitting here with someone who embodies the absolute spirit of this great city, particularly the great entertainers that have come out of here. Uh, as you know, I'm a tremendous fan of the icons that graced the billboards uh, over the years from Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. and Elvis Presley. And speaking of Frank Sinatra, uh, my friend Dennis here, some years, I guess some years now, I'm not sure how many, but uh, you had Frank Sinatra's very dear friend, Jilly Rizzo, see you perform. And I would love to have you tell everybody how that how meeting came to, be. came to pass that you were able to then meet Mr. Sinatra. Well, I, I, I had actually come off the road and went back to Connecticut. You know, I'd, I'd worked all the cities across the country learning what I, I thought I should be learning. And, um, you know, I had a little, little baby daughter. And uh, I said, well, maybe it's time for me to come home, come off the road. So I became an entertainment director for Sinesta Hotel in Hartford, Connecticut. And they gave me the opportunity to perform and bring in names like Joe Williams and uh, oh, wow. Maureen McGovern and uh, you know a lot of really good a uh, lot of really good people so um, I figured well maybe this is what I this is my niche but I had a CD that was out that I had recorded and it, ironically enough it wasn't getting any airplay where I lived but it was getting a lot of airplay on the West Coast in Los Angeles so I'm in my office one day and the phone rings and uh, Secretary says, there's a Mr. Rizzo on the phone to speak to you. And I'm <laughs> that going, probably got your attention. Yeah, and I'm going, well. Couldn't be Jilly Rizzo. Yes, a Mr. Jilly Rizzo, and I'm going, nah, right, sure, who is right. this really? I figure, oh, sure, put him through. i got to figure it's one of my friends <laughs> who is just, you know, going to have fun with me. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, I, it's not a voice I recognize, and I had heard uh, Jilly speak before, and, you know, it's, uh, he had a very unique uh, style of speech. He was kind of a street guy with a lot of street smarts. And, uh, you know, he, was, he didn't have his master's in English. It was pretty sure. obvious. But, uh, you know, he could get to the point. And they yeah, don't right. have Damon Runyon characters like that. <laughs> so bottom line is he said to me, I am, and, I'm, and I'm laughing, and I'm going, really, who is this? He says, no, they're playing your record on KMPC in Los Angeles. And uh, Tony O and Mr. Sinatra, and we've heard it. And, wow. and they said, who is this kid? And so through the radio station, we've tracked you down. I'm coming to New York. Uh, I'll meet you. Can you meet me at the Doral Hotel in New York City? I went like three or four days later, met him at the Doral in New York City. That afternoon, we spent about three hours talking. None, none of it was about music. Jilly kept asking me about my family and my upbringing and my values. That's interesting. And, um, and he said, do you have a brother? And I said, no, I, I, you know, I, have, I have a sister. He says, well, you have a brother now. Oh. And that afternoon, he took me to Warner Brothers, introduced me to Frank Military. A week later, I was in Los Angeles at Sammy Kahn's house, sitting at the oh piano my. with Sammy Kahn. And I'm going, this is just wow. beyond, it's too wow. bizarre. That's a dream come So it, it, and inevitably, uh, you know, I got a chance to, uh, to meet Mr. S and, and, <laughs> and his friends and cronies. And they kind of took me under their wing. And it, it re was a remarkable, remarkable experience, a remarkable time in my life. And ultimately, that's how I ended up here because they said we got to get the kid, put him here. And I went to, the, you know, went to the uh, Golden Nugget first. I think the first engagement I had was at the Golden Nugget with Don Rickles, 
and I worked with Don for a long time after. And it was just... Talk about another Vegas icon who's my absolute. favorite comedian of all time. The fact that you got to perform with Don yeah, must have yeah. been a hoot. It, it was, it's just, sometimes when I look back, it's, it seems like a blur to me, you know. And, and someday I probably should write this all down so I can give it to my daughter and my grandkids and, and so they know the story. And it's, it's just been a, a remarkable, wondrous, wonderful experience. This town has been so good to me. It is my home. I'm a desert rat. I know you are. And uh, I love it here, and I think it's the greatest city in the world. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I know that there's a lot of uh, guys who dream and, and, and kind of fantasize to some degree about what it would be like to be a Frank Sinatra, so to speak, and to sing those songs and to be in the Vegas showrooms and such. But there's not a lot of individuals who can say that Frank Sinatra himself, and I may be wrong on this, but look to you to carry on the torch. It's Is that true? It's an interesting phrase. I love it's that. Very, it's, it's actually very embarrassing, especially when oh, I, I want to hear about so this. many wonderful friends. Uh, Steve Lawrence is one of my favorite singers and maybe one of my best sure, friends in sure. the world. He's my neighbor. He's your neighbor, yes. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've always loved everything he's done. He's the funniest person I've ever met. He's he great. Charming. But, but it, there was a, a, a radio show. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. And, but it was legendary, and it was syndicated, and Mr. Sinatra, and they were all very much behind the show. I think it might have been called Sounds of Sinatra with Sid Mark. Uh -huh. And uh, they, Frank quoted, was quoted as saying, this is the kid that's going to carry the torch. Oh, my God. And, wow. you know, and wow. I, well, to me, but I, I know what he meant. It, it, there's never going to be another Frank Sinatra. What he was saying is, going to carry the torch for the music, sure, of you course. know, carrying on that the legacy, the keeping them, yeah. keeping this style of music alive. I do take some pride in that, and especially when I hear young guys like yourself and and some of these pop artists that have gone from the rock genre and crossing over because it, they've come to a certain stage in their lives when they know they have to sing something with a little more, a little more meat, a little more substance. Sure. So, you hear pop artists now on on XM and Seriously Sinatra, all these stations that are interpreting the Great American Songbook, and I'm just well, thrilled by that. Well, speaking of uh, all these new artists that you're speaking of, you have the opportunity on a weekly basis, every Thursday afternoon, out at the South Point Hotel, to do what you refer to as the Dennis Bono Show. It's syndicated all over the country, and you get to highlight this cavalcade of talent on a weekly basis by having usually four or five guests per week. Mm -hmm. uh, that's got to be... You've a, been a guest well, I times, have, and yeah. I couldn't be more honored to be on your show, but what, what a thrill that is to be able to kind of, to some degree, be the Johnny Carson of Las Vegas where you get to highlight this talent that might sometimes not otherwise be seen necessarily. What a, what a, how satisfying that must you be. Know, it's in, your interpretation is right on the button because one of the things that we take pride in on the show is, of course, we love when all the celebrities come on that are performing in Las Vegas, the, you know, we've had every major star who's appearing in town come on. And, uh, but we always also take pride in um, featuring Las Vegas celebrities. You know, yes. those ones that are out there working six sure. nights a week and, and working one hotel and then moving That's on right. to another hotel. And we also take pride in introducing talent that we think deserves to have, to be discovered, to have somebody that. recognize you know, uh, their abilities and their talents. So it's been a wonderful experience, most rewarding for me as a performer because I still sing on the show. 
you know, the days of six nights a week, two shows a night, that's all changed here in town. But uh, so I still get a chance to do what I love the most. And now I really have a great time hosting the show. And uh, sometimes I'm funny. And, <laughs> and you know, I, it's, it's, uh, I love interviewing people like yourself. And, and every, I, the list of celebrities, of course, is endless. And whether it be Steve Lawrence or Rita Rudner, who's ever appearing in town, um, I feel like I know the kinds of things to talk about because we've experienced, sure. those of us who have worked have experienced so many similar situations. It's kind of like a rite of passage to be able to appear on your show. I have to be well, honest. Thank you. I well, just... and you, you bring in at least, I mean, my gosh, I've never been to your show before where there's been uh, fewer than maybe 500 people to come out to see, some of which, incidentally, are watching you right now and have a question for you in our live chat room. Really? So if you don't mind, would you mind fielding I'd a be question more than happy one to. of your many, I, I many better, fans? I better take another sip of this because I'm not sure where this question is going. <laughs> uh, Bill wants to know, uh, do you worry that with today's focus on disc jockeys, that the American songbook might be lost among younger folks? Um, it's, it, it's a, that's a really good question. Um, I'm hoping that that's not the case. Uh, and I think satellite radio, uh, the, the expansion of satellite radio, um, will, is an important step in keeping not only our genre alive, but the genre that might be appealing to uh, people that listen to the 50s, the 60s, because no, the specific stations in, in each community are no longer there. So uh, in America's rush to become everything to everybody, sometimes we lose focus. So I... You know, I'm hoping that um, the, that the American songbook stays alive because young people are rediscovering it, and uh, I think that that's th there's hope. And, and you mentioned something that I find very interesting. You mentioned Sirius Radio in particular. They have a station that I listen to all the time, and I'm sure many of you do, called Seriously Sinatra. Yes. And uh, on that station, they of course. Uh, play music made you know, by the original artists, be Frank Sinatra or Mel Torme or the Dean Martins. But in that mix of these international celebrities is a guy by the name of Dennis Bono, who is on regular rotation. <laughs> I, how, I do, how are you getting on there? That's unbelievable. You know, I, I'm just... And I love uh, it. And you know, to be honest, it's, 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 when your voice comes on, it's so unique and so distinct. I, I stop what I'm doing just to listen to uh, whatever song they're playing for me because... I couldn't be more grateful. I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm very blown lucky. away by that. They have uh, responded so well to, I think they have three of my CDs. And ironically enough, it's not like they just play one cut off of one. No. They play just about all of them, and I, I just couldn't be more thrilled. Um, and I think that's, that's wonderful. Those kinds of things are going to keep the Great American Songbook alive. And not only do they play me, but they play a lot of... Uh, whether it be Michael Bublé and a lot of sure, uh, so other Connick young Jr. artists, Harry Connick Jr., but a lot of uh, those artists that have crossed over, Boss Gags, you right. know, all these people that are crossing and, over from Rod the 70s and, and 80s, Rod Stewart, all interpreting the, the Great American Songbook. Because I think if, if you take music seriously and the Great American Songbook seriously, because it's part of our heritage, uh, you need it sometime in your life uh, to sink your teeth into those beautiful melodies and those beautiful lyrics. Well, I have so many questions I want to ask you. I feel like we're not going to be able to come close to scratching the surface on where I want to go with this, but we are going to have to take one more quick little break. Absolutely. And when we come back, I want to talk about two things in particular, and that's kind of like this, your opinion on the state of where 
live music is in Las Vegas right now and how things have changed just since you've been here. Uh, and I also want to talk to you about your lovely wife. Uh, that'd be terrific. So we're going to be back in just a minute. Uh, once again, I'm Chris Phillips. You're watching Talk Tales. And uh, we're here with my dear friend and Vegas icon, Dennis Bono. We'll be right back. Let me know when I'm live. Hi, everybody. This is Bridget Magnus of Getting Real Estate in Vegas. And you are watching the Vegas Video Network. <laughs> Oh my goodness, folks. Is that good? Uh, I, that because of your presence oh, yes. on our, our little <laughs> fledgling show here called Talk Tales, we have more people watching live right now than we have in the history of this show. Well, I'm due in part because Mr. Dennis Bono is here, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, you're watching Talk Tales. I'm Chris Phillips, and we have a guest with us today that is uh, single-handedly keeping the maverick spirit of the city alive. And by golly, uh, I couldn't be more appreciative because there's a lot of people that still come to Las Vegas looking for that vibe that has existed here over the years that you refer to as the glory days, the golden years. And with that in mind, you have obviously seen some changes I in this have. great city over the years, I have. particularly in the lounge scene or, yes. in, or in the uh, showrooms that used to be occupied by a singer with a tuxedo and a cocktail and an orchestra and uh, nothing but his wit and uh, a song. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Gladys, Where has that gone? Gladys Knight is doing it at the Tropicana. Yes, she Her is. Her show is called doing very uh, well. uh, A Mike and a Light. Mike, yes, that's right. Which is absolutely uh, just the most, most breathtaking title of a show. <laughs> if that doesn't describe, you know, the artistry of a performer. Um, that's, I think people are craving that, aren't they? Well, I think to they, come uh, away I, from a show with I'm, some substance. For I'm goodness. very opinionated. And, I am too, and, and that's why I want to hear some of this. And, and you know, I, I I do think that people crave that. Um, we have spectacular shows here. This is the entertainment. Visual spectacles. Visually, you know, it's sure. it's it's marvelous. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The production values are just the. No, there's no comparison. Anywhere. But wouldn't you agree that there is something that's almost like an invisible wall Celine. between the show yes. and the audience? Interesting, Celine's approach now, yes. on the second time around, uh -huh. has gotten away from the Cirque approach yes. and gotten back into her as a talent yes. with a full orchestra and everything. You just, can't beat that. It's just marvelous. Now, you talk about the lounges. When I came here, <laughs> you know, you went... You went to the showroom and then you went to the lounges because some of the greatest, most energetic, talented people were working the lounges. And they, I mean, Louis Prima, I mean, there were just some incredibly talented people. And the showroom entertainers would come into the lounges afterward and spon spontaneously get up and jump up on stage, whether it was Sammy or, you know, and, and those kinds of artists are not here anymore because artists have become so structured that they, they're, they're uncomfortable stepping out of their genre. Um, I remember when I was the entertainment director at the Senesta, we had the Sammy Davis Jr. Greater Hartford Open golf tournament. And I had Joe Williams working in, in the room. And Sammy called and he said, I want to come down to <laughs> wow. see Joe. And I'm going, oh, that's so cool. The room only held 250 people. And, and Sammy came in to see Joe because he was a fan of Joe Williams. They'd known each other for years. And Sammy got up on stage in Hartford, Connecticut, and did an hour. And I mean, these kinds of performers, you know, they, were, they thrived in this community. Sure. And the hotels 
were very respectful of the performer in the fact that if somebody got sick at one hotel, a headliner from another hotel right. would go in and fill in for him. They don't allow that anymore kind because like the competition is like, oh, it's, it's, it's so corporate that they don't allow. And it's a shame because they've taken away the energy and that entrepreneurial spirit of a performer to just get up and give, you know. And that's and I one think of your good Vegas buddies, your, your neighbor, you mentioned uh, Steve Lawrence. Ah. I know he just filled in for, unfortunately, I think, it, it, maybe I'm mistaken on this, but George Carlin had some dates that Steve Lawrence came just on a dime and filled in, did a Absolutely. beautiful you know, show. Yeah, and Steve, a, Steve is that kind of performer. I mean, he's always just, uh, he's been on the show. He's just, you know, it's a gift. They've, these guys have learned their craft, paid their dues. They know how to do it. We have a lot of talented people here that, you know, that all of a sudden they're on the strip, and unfortunately when you take them out of their genre, right. they can't go in and just Crumble. get up. And, and it's sad because that's what made this and don't you think the entertainment capital yes. of the world. So and, and an we audience forget can, that. Yes, and an audience can sense that. Oh, yeah. They, they, they instinctually can feel whether How or not. How many times have you been on oh, my show gosh. where Clint is on, Clint Holmes, or whoever, and you just, I just get this urge and I say, yeah. Chris, Clint, let's do a song together. Yeah, sure. No rehearsal. Just get up, and uh, I know that I'm surrounded by people who know what they're doing, and the audience loves the spontaneity. That's what they miss about the glory days that you saw in the showrooms, the lounges. That would follow into the oh, lounges. Yeah, oh, yeah, it I would know. just, yeah, that's, I think that's the, the ingredient that's missing. Today. And it's kind of a shame, too, because we've talked about this on the show many times, how uh, the casinos now need to create revenue in every square foot of the casino. And I certainly understand. And I do too. But it's a shame that they don't factor in the fact that if you put a quality show in a showroom, that people are going to come in, get revved up into a frenzy, and then spend in the casino, in the restaurants, in the valet. And they don't... You would walk out of they, a showroom they, and go into a lounge, no. and they kept you on their property by giving you the best of everything they had to give. And see the bean counters that are running these hotels these days can't tabulate that correctly. See, and so it doesn't compute unless you're selling a ticket for eighty-five dollars uh, to these these wonderful folks that come in from Columbus, Ohio. They want to see a show, and you know, to me, some of the th offerings on the strip right now leave an audience le a little flat. Yeah, you know, I mean, there. Uh, trust me, there there are shows that are marvelous. Some of the production shows are just well, spectacular. There's no doubt about it. And they employ a lot of people. Yes, they do, <laughs> and, that, and that's all good. It's, we're still the entertainment capital of the world. But I do believe that people come into this community to try to recapture yeah. the things that they, their parents told them. Yes. That, geez, and I, it's very ooh, hard to even find. Even when they come into our they see pictures of Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra sat here, and Dean Martin sat there. I mean, there's still that aura about this town, and I really think that we should... At least, even even if we go in other directions, we should keep that memory and that respect for well, that. Well, I'll tell you vibe. something. There is one place that is on Las Vegas Boulevard that still captures the spirit of the glory days that incidentally is owned by you and your lovely wife, which I would love for you to talk about, who is a, a celebrity and a Las Vegas icon in her own right, needless to say. You know, it's, my, I, it's the most <laughs> interesting story. And right? I have a crush on her, too, by the way. I Everybody say this does. On, on air, Everybody I, does. I got a little sweet tooth for your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's uh, the m most elegant. Now, you know, when she was, first of all, the family business, the bootlegger bistro, is, is legendary in, in 
That is a true bastion it, it, for what yes, Vegas is all if about. If you want to recapture and understand what Vegas was, you start there. You know, um, my wife uh, started out at 19 years old. Lorraine Hunt uh, started. She was Laurie Perry, and at 19 years old, she was a singer. She opened up the Landmark Hotel. She was the first act in Isn't the Landmark Hotel. Oh, I love that. Then, as a singer, she uh, she worked with the groups, and she was a headliner in the lounges, and and uh, but decided there was other things she wanted to do, and she ended up getting into real estate development while she was singing and built a restaurant for her mother, who, by the way, my mother-in-law is 94 years old, still the executive oh chef. Um, wow. But she got, then they asked her to get into the political arena because she believed, in, she had certain beliefs. And, and she was well-loved, yes, both beloved. And, and so she, she became a county commissioner for eight years and termed out because that's what happens in Nevada sure. is sure. two terms. And then she ran for lieutenant governor, became lieutenant governor, all the while still singing as a... And president as, of the Senate. Too, was she oh, yeah, president yeah. of the Senate, sure. lieutenant governor, head of economic development. It's incredible. Uh, head of tourism for the state of Nevada. Opened up the tourism, the only uh, licensed tourism office in the People's Republic of China. Uh, an amazing uh, career. So and, you're, uh, you're, you're dating up. Yeah, oh, I was definitely <laughs> dating up. You know, I just see. I just kept saying, "Does she really know who I am?" <laughs> and and the funny part about it is, we started dating, and uh, it, it two families bonded. And uh, next thing I know, they were writing about us in the paper, and I said, "Are we really dating?" And and oh. you know, it led into, and so as then she ran for governor. We we gotten married, and she ran for governor. And I said, the reason she didn't win is nobody wanted me as the first lady, and <laughs> can't blame them for that, you know. Uh, but but she still enjoys singing. She's had an illustrious political career. She has. She's still uh, singing is a, a wonderful passion. She on a Saturday night at the restaurant, she loves to get up and do a song. Well, her presence and, alone just lightens up a room. She, when she she's walks an in. amazing, she is really energetic. She I, oh yeah, she's it. just. I can't keep up with her. It's just. I definitely married up. Well, I'll tell you something. I don't know if she may be one of the people in the chat room right now, but we certainly have a lot of people wanting to ask you some questions. We're sure. going to try to get to at least another question or two. If we, if we could, Scott, what do we have over there? Yeah, Nate, actually, he's been asking a couple of questions that you have subsequently answered, but this is an interesting one. He asks, how can you convince a casino that your style of act can, in fact, add to the bottom line? What do you have to do to prove to them that this will help their bottom line? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it really, it's numbers. It's numbers. If, you, if you're Michael Buble or if you're somebody that has a hit record uh, and you're recognized as a crossover artist, you know, that may have been in one genre and crossed over into another, another genre uh, like the Great American Songbook and you're, you, still, you had a name in one genre and they bring you in and you sell tickets and you put butts in the seats because that's what it's about. It is. You will convince the hotels to do that. I mean, they've done it with Celine. They've done it with, uh, I mean, look at uh, Gladys, you know. Uh, great singers. You have to, but it's an investment on their part. And unfortunately, a lot of times you get people in the marketing departments and, you know, that they're 27, 28, 30 years old. Right, straight up. When somebody says to me, well, what is your variety show like? And I, I'll say, it's sort of like a cross between Mike Douglas and Johnny Carson, and they look at me with this blank stare, <laughs> and I go, oh, okay, all right. How about Leno? You know, right. I mean, these are the same people you have to tell that Paul McCartney was in a group before Wings. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So that's the kind of thing. Uh, that's what makes it difficult, certainly. But um, it was. <laughs> but that's what makes it difficult to 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 sell this concept. Uh, but if you got a hit record and you got a lot of television, I mean, you get American Idol. You see what happens. Well, speaking of person comes on television and yeah, sure. all of a sudden the whole world sees them. And next thing you know, they're selling on MGM Grand Arena, and they've never worked a nightclub or a stage in their lives. So. And you know what? I think it shows too in their stage. Well, you know, but I mean, I'm I'm still a, a fan of great talent. You know, we I were talking about putting out records. Uh, your latest release, I believe, is called Thinking of When. Yeah. And there were some amazing standards on that that some of which like I'd mentioned you can hear on Sirius uh, how, how, do we, how do we get that how do, how do I if I'm, if I'm looking because I know there's a lot of people I'm watching selling right them now. out of the trunk of my car which is parked out <laughs> my my last album my music is coasters uh, in our house now that's uh, no I to remember yeah actually that was yes that's right but actually um, if you if you look up the website Dennis Bono at DennisBono.com. DennisBono.com is, you know, the website. And can we can, purchase those yes, you from can. your website? And you can get it on uh, CD Baby and all, all those, the kids all this internet <laughs> stuff, which I don't I understand. I don't either. <laughs> uh, but you can, you can buy it that way. And, uh, and it's gotten incredibly wonderful reviews in England and in New York. And, you know, we were talking about singers, uh, Matt Monroe. An English Love singer. Matt Monroe. Oh, wonderful, awesome. wonderful singer that I neglected. Uh, you know... Steve Lawrence uh, does the same thing. The, the world has changed. We, we sell now through the internet and, and the websites. And it's a different place. It's a different world. You know, I said the other day, I'm sitting there with all this technical stuff in my den and remotes and stuff, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I don't, need, I don't know how to even program my VCR, and my seven-year-old granddaughter goes, you have a VCR? <laughs> And I'm going, oh, my God, the world has just passed me by. So. Well, let me ask you, uh, if I may, I love asking this question because I, I, uh, being an entertainer yourself, you're probably rather discerning in terms of what you were going to spend your free time going to see, as an example. Uh, you and Lorraine have a night off. Mm -hmm. You go to dinner, and then you say, you know, let's go catch a show on the Strip. Who would Dennis and Lorraine go and, and seek out and go see this if currently were, performing. That's currently, like, like that's here all the time yeah, or just coming in for a couple of days? Maybe either one. What, well, I mean, who are you uh, certainly there's a lot of performers. Is there in Vegas now that you think is a quality show that you'd go see? Yeah, I, certainly. Uh, we mentioned Gordy Brown. Gordy's yep. been on my show a few times. Gordy is just not only is a, a wonderful impressionist, he's, at, he's like a Robin Williams of impressions. He's zany. It, it's... Um, it's so I like, boggling yeah, where he, he's he so takes quick. a show on a nightly but, basis. But uh, any, you know, Jack, when Jack Jones a yeah, few weeks sure. ago was in town, Bill Medley was on my show. I go to see Bill. I, I love what they, they don't have to be singing the things that yeah, I enjoy. Right, right. They just that's have to be good at what they do. And, and you are good at what you do. And that's why <laughs> I enjoy coming to see yeah. you. Well, because you yeah. bring an energy and a passion. And, you know, the only thing that's more contagious than enthusiasm is lack of it. And you do not lack enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, when you and uh, you, well, whether that's you're by you're... yourself or with, with Marley, there's an energy. Well, in, in lieu of any talent whatsoever, you have to have something. Well, no. <laughs> it, talent and energy is a wonderful combination. When, when people are impressed by your, your passion, your enjoyment, when they see you're having a good time, they have a good time. It's a very simple formula. Sure, it's, and it's, it becomes it's addictive for, and a drug. For, for many, sure. many years. 
So anybody that, that feels strongly about what it is they're doing, uh, whether it be a comedian, sure. there's a lot of comics that I enjoy. I love to laugh, um, and, and I love to hear great singers. They don't have to be singing the, the thing. Right. I mean, Jersey Boys. I've seen Jersey Aren't Boys so many times oh, because some of the I love the music. I grew up with it. Now, I've had, you know, I've had members of the originals on the show, and I've had cast members from the show, you know. And I, I always look at Bob Rosario, and I go, you know, Bob has been in town a long time. I said, Who is your music conductor? My music director, he was with Bobby Darren. He started out with Louis Prima, was Bobby Darren's wow. conductor. He was Tony Orlando's conductor on a TV show. Mel Torme, he's done everything. He's a show in and of itself. I said, you know, you talk about the original cast. If you look at the painting of The Last Supper, <laughs> in the background, you will see Bob Rosario playing piano at that, at that supper. I mean, he's been around a long time. So anybody that's, that's good at what they do and, uh, and been doing it a long time, and uh, no matter what the genre is, you just have to be uh, passionate about what you're doing. And that, there's nothing more contagious, and that's what I enjoy the most. Well, my friend, let me tell you, in terms of seeing somebody who is passionate about what they not only do, but in the opinions they have and, and, the, and the agenda that they are going to try to keep alive in the city, that would be you, my friend. I highly recommend going to see the Dennis Bono Show every Thursday at 2 o'clock at the South Point Hotel. Otherwise, you can hear it syndicated all over the country. Uh, my friend, having you here is beyond an honor and a treat. I hope you're going to come back because we, like I said, haven't even scratched the surface. We haven't finished this bottle of wine. And I've so got a whole lot of booze to go here. But I hope we get to go play golf sometime. You betcha, Chris. Thank you well, so folks, very, very much. You are, you are in the presence of greatness. This is Dennis Bono. I am Chris Phillips. You're watching Talk Tales. And once again, I'd like to let you know that you can email us anytime, of course, by going to TalkTales at VegasVideoNetwork.com. Or again, our toll-free number is simply 866-966-4599. Thank you for tuning in once again. And for those of you who are watching us live, we appreciate it. This is the man, the myth, the legend, and I thank you for coming on. Thank you, Chris. you take care of yourself. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks everybody. You.